You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan. A stubborn guy, but brilliant, highly intelligent, eccentric, quite true. But the image of his being some kind of a dumbbell is, is absolutely wrong. Guys, this is Evan with the Lucky Ten Thousand, the podcast that gets you luckier than podcasting with someone that wants to podcast but has never podcasted before, so they don't know if they should podcast or not. Therefore, they podcast, and I'll explain that in just a minute. First, I want to thank Podbean and Stitcher for hosting us. Also, I want to thank the Tangent Bound Network for adding us to their network of awesome shows. If you want to get in touch with us, including corrections, we seriously don't mind corrections if we get something wrong. It's Lucky Ten Thousand at Gmail. Our Twitter. Lucky underscore 10K, our Facebook group page, Lucky 10,000. And today we have a very special guest. She's a friend of mine I've known for a couple of years now and has always been interested in podcasting, but never had the time or the means. And if today doesn't discourage her from doing it, I don't know what will. She must be really passionate about it. My good friend, Lindsay Lustig. Lindsay, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because uh, we had talked about podcasting before and how enthusiastic you are about it. You love listening to podcasts, and you're even considering doing one of your own. So when I was putting together the list of people I wanted to talk to this season, I was like, Lindsay, she'd be great. Aw, thanks. Of course. So why don't you tell the listening public a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um. So I live in Greenville, South Carolina. I love to go out to restaurants and travel and I have a dog and two cats and a big animal enthusiast mm -hmm. um, work out <laughs> yeah you're very healthy which is sort of the reason I half hate you <laughs> well you can work out with me Evan no that's all right that's not gonna <laughs> happen so, but like I said, uh, you're you're interested in podcasting. You're really a lover of the arts. You and and uh, and your friend Maggie always come see all the shows. You're a very supportive patron. I'm surprised you've never gotten on stage yourself. But um, we talked. This is actually our second, maybe third attempt at doing this. <laughs> but um, we did mention before that you are a fan of true crime. You love true crime shows. You love true crime podcasts. I'll ask you again your opinion. Uh, first season of Serial, guilty or not? Adnan is not guilty. I agree. I don't think he's guilty either. Um, so you have definitely a passion for this type of stuff. But what's interesting to me is when I approached you about doing this and said, hey, I would like to do an Unsolved Mystery podcast with you. You didn't have a mystery. Yeah. Well, I actually I was into the idea of Lizzie Borden. But then I told you about it. You're like, that's not really a mystery. But well, it I is. Think, she was acquitted. She was acquitted. She there's was acquitted, no, yes. There's been nobody that have been like held responsible for the axe murders of her father and stepmother. I think I think that's really interesting. It's definitely something I didn't know. I was just worried it wouldn't necessarily qualify because she probably did it. I don't know. Yeah, she probably did it. <laughs> she got off. But you know what? Uh, I'm going to put this out to the listening public. Um, you can email us if you would like to hear an episode about Lizzie Borden, and maybe we'll bring uh, Lindsay back next season. Oh, yeah. I'm related to her loosely, so oh. kind, of, kind of an expert. That's right. You did tell me that. So I'm an asshole for not taking you up on it because this is very <laughs> personal. Uh, how are you related? Her sister. It's um, some. Her sister had a family, and I'm 
somehow related to her. I didn't really look into it too much because um, I didn't end up doing it. But oh, they, oh, oh, right. It's my, my fault you don't know about your heritage. My sister and my cousin, they were in a class together in junior high school, and they did a big report about it. And I asked them, I was like, oh, yeah, we're related. Like, how are we related? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. That was from junior high school. I was like, that's funny. Okay. No well, it's still fascinating. I mean, she's definitely a fascinating figure. And um, if you are seeing anyone, I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> or at the very least, do everything you can not to make her angry. You wouldn't yeah. like Lindsay when she's angry. <laughs> well, luckily, but, I'm not physically violent. So oh, that's don't true. So worried about being axed to death in my presence. Well, in your presence, it still could happen. It just wouldn't be you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. So, but the case we are doing is one I suggested, and you started looking into it, and I think it's very fascinating, but also really creepy. And one of the things I'm loving about the season is we have a nice dose of, of mysteries everyone's heard of, Jack the Ripper, Amelia Earhart, things like that. And then we've got a nice dose of things that I hadn't heard of till I started doing this season. And that's what we're all about. We're all about learning you shit. So we're going to go ahead and jump into it. Uh, this is a this episode is about the SS Urang Medan. And you have some interesting information about what that means. Yes. Um, Urang Medan is a Malaise. It translates to man from Medan. Ah, but or, this is a Dutch ship, and it was not manned by anybody from the Malaysian, the Malaysian uh, islands. So that's yet another mystery. Yes. Well, and, and if sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I mean I think you need to like tell a story before I start going into these obscure details. Well, we'll just cover the basics. Um, what we're talking about is in uh, 1947, there was a ship called the SS Urang Medan found adrift. Uh, the reason it was found, and probably the creepiest part of the whole story, is uh, some American ships, one of them called the Silver... What was it? The Silver Star? Yeah. Is that the right name? Uh, received a distress signal from this ship. They were in the Indian Ocean. And the message, supposedly, that was delivered was the following, and if you can find a creepier distress message in history, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> but uh, I actually heard somebody online reference the movie Event Horizon with this, and I don't know if you know that movie, but uh, there are a lot of similarities. Similarity, excuse me. And the quote is, All officers, including the captain, are dead. Lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead, I die. It doesn't get creepier than that. No, as far as distress signals are concerned. Um, so this ship went to check it out. And why don't you tell us, Lindsay, what they found? They found uh, 12 crew members, which was everybody, and the dog that was on the ship. They oh, were the all dog. found dead on their backs with their eyes open and their mouths snarled, looking frightened. And their um, they said their arms were contorted their um bodies were decomposed much faster than regularly composed bodies would have been in that short time yeah um yeah real creepy and there was no sign of like injury right 
Yeah. Yeah, there didn't look like a conflict that happened. The ship was in really great condition. And I actually, uh, we discussed this once already, but hey, anything worth saying is worth saying twice. Uh, I sent you an article with what is supposedly a picture of one of the crew members. And it is a weird, creepy picture. It doesn't look natural. But you started the conversation that you don't think it's legit. And we'll put a link to this article in the episode description. But But tell me what your reservations are. It looks like a mannequin. Yeah. Um, and like all, a lot of the articles I read said that their faces look like they were in extreme, like extremely scared. Yeah. And this picture, he looks just like a mannequin. You would yeah. see. Yeah. If I were to put a sound to this guy's expression in this picture, it would be huh. Or like meh. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're getting ready to die, if something is attacking you, meh is probably not. <laughs> going to be your reaction so the but the dog is interesting to me because you know animals are, are so instinctive about everything and i think uh animal emotions are so much more raw and pure than human emotions uh then they found the body of the dog i think in the boiler room it had a look on its face of like a, a petrified permanent snarl and of course dogs do that when they're afraid but they also do that when they feel like they need to attack something so it wasn't just a case of – because there are a lot of different theories that we'll get into about what may have happened. But the fact that every single crew member to a T looked terrified, all looking up, and a dog died with a snarl on its face. It – regardless of what really happened, because I've had this discussion before this season, uh, usually what really happens is so much more boring than what we imagine would have happened. But – Something scared the shit out of everyone on that ship as they were dying. Yep. And what that was, we don't know. And part of the problem with this mystery, and one of the things to me that's fascinating about this mystery, is it's possible that this isn't even real. Because oh, yeah. they started to tow the ship. They started to bring the ship in after exploring it, after finding all these bodies, having no idea what's going on. Obviously, people want to research it. People want to... You know, we were talking earlier about how odd it was if this is a picture, a legit picture of one of the crew. Why would you why would you think to have a camera on board? You brought up a really good point about cameras back then. If you want to uh, get a little go a little further with that with that point. Yeah, like, well, I think you have to hold the camera still. I mean, it was the mid 1900s, so it wasn't like. It was in the 1800s or anything, but like right. But cameras, we certainly didn't have Kodak disposable cameras. Yeah, exactly. You have to hold it still, and you're on a ship, and you're scared, and don't know what's going on. I just, I, I find it hard to believe on this rescue mission. You know, everyone's dead. Let's bring the camera. You know, right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I could see it as a as a form of collecting evidence. Um, yeah. and there is a the picture of the ship as well. But yeah, it. The problem with looking up this kind of stuff on the internet is you never know, as we have learned, thank you, Facebook, that you don't know what's legit and what's not. Mm -hmm. And so it is extremely possible that this article is not an official account of everything that happened. If it is a true picture of a body that was found on that ship, it's still pretty creepy. The body does look pretty decrepit. The body looks very stiff. Like It does look like a mannequin. There is no life in that husk of a human anymore but its arms are it almost looks like it's sitting on a chair and just kind of propping its hand up on the arm of the chair you know what i mean yeah so 
that could have been in the midst of trying to prevent something. The problem is we'll probably never know because, uh, well, and if you want to get into this, you can. Uh, why will we probably never know what happened on this ship? Why will we probably not know what happened on the ship? Well, what happened to the ship when they were trying to... Oh, oh, well, they were tugging it to safety, and then there was some smoke coming from the number four, I don't know, I guess they have, they number the stacks that they have in there, and there was smoke coming out, and then all of the rescuers evacuated, They and they disconnected from the ship, and it exploded, and the whole ship came up off the water, and then burnt, burnt to the burned down, and then eventually sank. Yeah, so we lost the ship. And that's a through line. You know, the more we do these episodes, the more I'm noticing certain things in common. Um, A lot of these unsolved mysteries are still unsolved mysteries because somebody botched something as far as evidence was concerned, or there was some sort of cover-up done, evidence was lost somehow. And this is not just a piece of evidence. Everything pertaining to this case is now at the bottom of the ocean. Why no one has tried to excavate this ship or bring it back up to the surface, unless you know something I don't, I honestly don't know. Because that, other than certain things, if I had, let's just say I came into a billion dollars, this would be one of those things I was like, you know what, let's see if we can get that ship back. Or at least what's (laughs) left of it. Really? You would use a billion dollars for that instead of, like, cancer research or something? Uh, Well, what if the answer to curing cancer is on that ship, Lindsay. Oh, okay. What if they were all so terrified because of this great medical breakthrough they just made and they all had a heart attack at the exact same time? <laughs> I think they'd be found in different positions if they died of heart attack. How do you know? We'll never know, Lindsay. We'll never know. <laughs> I think we do know how people die. <laughs> we'll never know, Lindsay. We'll okay. never know. Okay, we won't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the basic story. Now, we can get into some more specifics here. Um, I'm looking at an article from Historic Mysteries, and uh, there is a really creepy picture of the ship, uh, but they also pose the question, did it ever actually happen? Is it just legend? And that's the one thing that I think is definitely a possibility, is that the documentation for this is all based on these couple of ships and the eyewitness reports, and we have no physical evidence to prove any of this. Well, I was in a deep, deep rabbit hole today about it, and I found on Reddit that there was a guy that found articles that wrote about this in 1940, which is seven years, seven to eight years, because the date is kind of flexible. Before everybody's announcing this is to happen. Really? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 1940. And then they showed pictures of it. But I think also my bigger theory is it was, um, they were like lethal, um, weapon, like weapons of mass destruction. There was like some kind of like lethal, weaponized gas or something. Yeah. It's like toxic gas that was in there and it came out and that's the way that it killed everybody. I researched it. My search history is <laughs> pretty sketchy right now. If I were to be like, if somebody were to tell me, accuse me of murder, it looks like I might be a murderer from my search history because <laughs> I looked up all the different ways that um, poisonous gas could kill somebody. <laughs> so there's a couple of theories. One of them's like carbon monoxide poisoning, but that's a painless death. So we wouldn't have those right. gnarled faces. So that I'm taking that one out. 
But then there's um, nerve gas. And this is what I think actually happened because there's, there's no registration of this boat. There's no registration of what's on the boat. It's a Dutch liner, but it didn't have Dutch um, people on it. From I don't know where I read that. I don't know how they could have told that, like right. what the dead bodies were. But, I mean, it didn't look like they were from the Dutch government. So I think that it was some kind of nerve gas because it was just post uh, or just around World War II era um, nerve gas that was being transported, leaked out killed everybody and then that would explain why it didn't kill the rescuers that came True. there after because it it evaporates and then so that's my theory on it that's interesting um what i have in this article i'm looking at and we can we can talk about this because to be totally fair that was my thought too um and it still to me is probably the most probable answer is some sort of poison gas if you trust the timeline this comes you know right after Basically after anyway, World War Two or around the time the World War Two was winding down. I don't I can't remember when the official date of the war ended. It could have been some sort of botched military exercise. They could have been transporting something. There are all kinds of possibilities. But um there are some documented things that I wanted to get into real quick. Uh, according to this article, and again we'll post a link to this article as well, and again this is historic mysteries. Uh, that's uh, historicmysteries.com. During the search efforts, the rescue party noticed several things that struck them as odd or strange. The local temperature was in excess of 100 degrees Fahrenheit, but members of the team felt an ominous chill emanating from somewhere. Another oddity was the conditions of the victims. All of them had suffered, but none had any injuries to note of. They were also decaying quicker than they should be. The ship itself didn't appear to have suffered any damage, and when the search party returned to the Silver Star, the decision to tow the Urang Madan for salvage was quickly taken. So, the chill... I mean, and this is the other thing about Unsolved Mysteries, and I don't know how you feel about this kind of stuff, but I tend to be a skeptic once you get into supernatural occurrence. Mm -hmm. You know, every every mystery, it doesn't matter how small or how big, at some point, someone will say either aliens or ghosts are involved. Mm -hmm. I tend not to believe either of those things. Yeah, no, that's, I also tend not to believe Yeah, because I, I believe that aliens are out there. Whether or not they've ever visited our planet, I'm dubious about. And if they did, you know, why would they decide to gas this whole boat full of people? I don't know. Mm -hmm. As far as ghosts are concerned, I don't really believe in ghosts. So I sort of just pushed that stuff aside. But the temperature is is a strange thing yeah, because strange. the local temperatures were supposed to be over 100 degrees. But these guys felt a chill. I don't know enough about the physics of maritime uh, uh, weather incidences to say for sure what that chill was. But that to me is strange. The yes. fact that they were decaying faster than a normal human would be decaying. That's strange. I don't I know if that... Like, I feel huh? like nerve gas... I feel like nerve gas could answer all of that. Like, it probably... Who, well, you know what? Who knows Let's do a deep dive here and say, what are the side effects of nerve gas? Yeah, I did I did do a little bit of research because I was looking into, like, what gases cause painful gas, yeah. uh, painful deaths. And yeah, nerve gas was a painful, scary death. Ugh. And then there was also um, another theory about sulfuric acid being... Yes, I've heard that one as well. And that also has um, 
a really awful death, but that's only when ingested. I didn't see any just breathing sulfuric acid um, deaths. I only saw ingest, like if you drank it, it would be really awful, but okay. we know that these people didn't, I mean, everybody drank it at the same time and died. You know, like, I don't think that's possible. Unless it was like a Jonestown thing. Ooh. What if Ooh. they just went out there to sacrifice themselves? Oh my goodness. Well, but then why would the the guy say um, send an SOS out? My mate, he was just trying to let people know what was going on and he couldn't finish. I don't actually believe this was the case. <laughs> <laughs> but we can get into some of the, the pros and cons about this. or Well, not the pros and cons. I think it's all con for everybody on the ship. <laughs> but the mis- the mystery of this, uh, back to the uh, Hidden Mysteries uh, article, uh, one of the arguments cited against this ever taking place was the registry of the Urang Madan. Officially speaking, it appears as though it never actually existed. The Silver Star was a real vessel, but at the time the Urang Madan was supposed to have been floundering, the Silver Star was operating under another registration, Santa Juana. The Grace Line Shipping Company had bought rights to the ship and renamed it. Yeah. That's why I think it could still be the the war nerve gas. Or it never happened. Yeah. Well, that whole thing about the um, articles coming out in 1940. But I think that, that threw me. I haven't heard that in any of my research. Well, my theory with that is, of course, the government's going to want to try to make this seem like a hoax. So right. they can make old articles and put it out. You know, that's I mean, true. That's super easy to do so i think it's i I still think it's a war thing you absolutely could be right um i I think we did an episode earlier in the season i'm sure at this point you've heard it but um it was about the uh pass i don't know if you know that one or not i didn't until we started doing this season and that's fascinating also just as creepy as this one and there are a lot of theories that it was a a military exercise gone wrong and that all absolutely a cover-up would start. My only reticence about that is that there's this ship in the middle of the Indian Ocean that had this thing happened. Why would it even have to be talked about at all? Couldn't the military do such a good cover-up that we would never have heard of it? Well, the thing to me that always blows a lot of military conspiracy theories out of the water pardon the pun, is that we assume that they're this really super intelligent, all-powerful entity that can do whatever they want. If that's the case, then we should never have heard about this at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. I'm not saying you're wrong. If another ship came along and found it, then they would have to go, okay, well, now we got to kill everybody in another ship, and then there were other ships that they were reporting to, so we got to figure something out. But why just leave it there to be found in the first place? If you really could kill the crew of an entire ship at once, wouldn't you then just make the whole thing disappear? See, I don't think it was purposeful. I think the transport of the nerve gas was purposeful, but okay. I don't think the killing of the, the crew was. I think, you know, they it wasn't registered because they were hiding that they wanted to move this, but I think it was like just a top secret military sort of movement that they tried to cover up in as best they could. And then when, you know, maybe somebody told somebody and it got out, then they had to like put old articles out there saying that it was kind of like a myth or a hoax. And then, yeah. 
You, you, you could be absolutely right. Uh, if it was an accident, they obviously wouldn't want to know that this – whoever was transported. That's the other question is if it was a military exercise, who's military? Okay. Well, I've heard that I have a couple of – It's it was between Germany, China, U.S., Netherlands, and Japan. Okay. They were smuggling lethal nerve gas to Japan from Germany. Um, there's a 1925 Geneva pro- protocol call that prohibits biological weapons. So there was I probably see. a chance that they had to hide the fact. So that they would they be breaking a truce, basically. Yeah. For and that's why they hired a Dutch freightliner, named it a Malaysian name, and then interesting, and then hired a crew from a different country to be there. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. You might be onto something. I think I am. Uh, you might, because uh, that actually brings up something interesting that I found in this article. Uh, those that believe in the Orangutan insist that the ship was registered in Sumatra. At the time, Sumatra was a Dutch colony that formed part of what was known as the Dutch East Indies. In Indonesian, Orang means man, and Medan is the largest city on the island of Sumatra. The registered name Orang Medan literally means man from Medan. We know that. No records have been produced to back up this ascertain. Even Lloyd Shipping registers in the Dictionary of Disasters at Sea, 1824 to 1962, has found no mention of the Orang Medan. But there's this professor, I don't know if his name came up in your research, Theodor Seersdorfer of Essen in Germany, has spent 50 years researching the story of the Orang Medan. Seersdorfer was the first to mention the names of the American ships that originally went in pursuit of the Orang Medan and refers anyone interested in their own research to a German booklet written in 1954. The author of this publication was a man called Otto Mielke and seemingly knew a lot about the mysterious ship. Not just the route it took, the cargo it carried, but the name of the captain. Ooh. Yeah. This booklet called, oh boy, <laughs> Das Schiffen der Sutzi established the date as June 1947 and is often rumored to have been authenticated by a crewman aboard the Silver Star. It was also this booklet that mentioned the cargo hold and what might have been stored inside. According to this booklet, the cargo holds contained potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin. If this is actually true, then it could explain why there's no official records anywhere. To have these combustible items on a rough sea is tantamount to negligence of the most severe kind. That's the other thing. Where did the explosion come from? They they said the number four. I guess they name all the little um, Right, but I guess my question is, how was it created? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, there are, uh, as you said, uh, other theories about what the ship may have been carrying, if it existed at all. Um, bah, 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 bah. Biological weapons manufactured by Japanese scientists as the result of insidious experiments that even the Nazi regime would bulk at could well have been smuggled out of Japan. Known as Unit 731, it was designed to be a secret research and development meant to create the most dangerous chemical and biological weapons to help establish Japanese supremacy. Unit 731 was formed sometime in 1932 by a Japanese bacteriologist called Shiro Ishii, who conducted terrible experiments during the Second World War. It is feasible that Unit 731 was smuggled on a nondescript merchant vessel with a foreign crew to avoid drawing unwanted attention to what was taking place. If so... What went horribly wrong? Um, I mean, you've got a very – I think this article brings up a very good point. You have a very volatile – anything volatile on a ship at sea, you're asking for trouble because all it takes is a storm or a rogue wave or something like that to make the environment extremely unhospitable for whatever you have on board. 
But also, if it is some sort of chemical weapon that they were transporting, I would like That's to know the logistics of how it would spread to the entire ship and kill everyone. You know what I mean? If someone's in well, their cabin or someone's behind closed doors. Well, that's the thing. They said one, I mean, this is only one article that I found the amount of people, but it was only 12 people. So that's a very small. It's, it does seem really small for that ship. That I, Again, this is something that I'm not very educated on. So if you are listening to this and you know more than I do, and I'm sure you do, uh, email us, Spirited Ones Podcast. I mean, excuse me, look at the thousand at Gmail. But yeah, the ship seems kind of big to just have a crew of 12. Well, yeah. And since it wasn't registered, or at least no one can find the register, no one really knows the motivation to having a small crew like that. It is, it, is it possible that there were more people that jumped ship? I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But the if you're going to have a ship of that size with a small crew, my logic would be uh, you just want as few people on it as possible if you're doing something underhanded. Yeah, because it's like a secret mission, so they have yeah. a small ops team that are deployed to do that, and that makes sense. That's a 12-person tw- team. That seems legit. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think, you know what? I think we may be on the trail of actually solving this thing. <laughs> I feel confident in it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are also other things to consider. Also very plausible, realistic things. First off, UFOs. That makes a ton of sense. Um, UFOs and ghosts, yeah. Any paranormal phenomenon, yeah. I think. <laughs> Some Bigfoots got on there. They just happened to be in the cargo hold. He just hold. shook them. He shook them to death. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I mean, there have been people that have said, uh, the this article closes with, comparisons to the Philadelphia experiment have been made by some UFOologists. Raves have also been blamed for whatever happened aboard the ill-fated ship. A rave? Like- yeah. W-R-A-I-T-H-S. Oh. Again, the supernatural, it's bullshit, but it's a theory, so I gotta say. The unnatural deaths of the entire crew could have lent some form of credibility to these and other causes that imagination conjured up in the last half a century. Even undead pirates, like the crew yeah. of the fictional Black Pearl, have been blamed by some. It well, was I mean, Jeffrey Rush. Normal pirates, too, were also one of the theories that pirates I can see that. On. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course, when we think pirates, we think the, you know, the romanticized pillagers of the, uh, you know, the ancient ocean. But, I mean, there have been they're still pirates. They're at least Somali pirates now. Why not? A more modern version of a pirate saw a ship and thought there was something interesting in it and attacked. I just feel like if that's the case, there would have been more unless they had chemical weapons that they fired at the boat. There would have been more signs of conflict, wouldn't you think? Yeah, or, yeah, if it was a pirate and they killed everybody, they'd have to have, like, injured them yes. in a way that people would have seen. Yeah, and there also were no evidence of anyone with a peg leg anywhere on the ship. <laughs> so <laughs> or I, I'm going to I'm gonna call bunk on that one. Yeah, me too. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to The Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever. Here on The Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing. Yeah, learn something, like, about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. I, it was funny to me. <laughs> hey, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you sell it. Come anything. on over, listen to the bearded ones podcast, I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I like it. I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> um, i buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. Yeah, probably, you probably wouldn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to. You know what? Fuck this. Don't listen to the bearded ones. <laughs>
Come on, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Bearded Pods Network. I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bassman. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy and the Bassman! Uh, I do have an article here uh, from the New York Post uh, that talks about what the effects of nerve gas are on people. This could, I mean, not necessarily the the gas that was used, but if it was something like sarin gas, and uh, if anyone out there knows uh, when sarin gas was invented and when it started to be used, uh, that could help. Um, the man-made nerve gas was originally made as an insecticide in Germany in 1938. Well, it just answered my question. It is clear, colorless, and has no taste or odor in its pure form. It belongs to a group of chemicals called organophosphates and is extremely poisonous. Let's see what it does. Interesting. If you leave it around in a room, it will evaporate very quickly. That's why it's so easy to use as a chemical weapon. Mm-hmm. It's extremely poisonous if you breathe it. Victims will become very ill very quickly within minutes, literally just a couple of breaths. Witnesses describe seeing victims of yesterday's attack foaming at the mouth and suffering fits. Uh, one of the because this is based on a, a, a sarin gas attack that was that actually occurred in a, in a small village. They're going to reference people that survived and even people that didn't. Uh, Hussein Kayal, 26, one of the first on the scene, told the Times, "I felt intense pain in my throat as it started to close. I felt paralyzed." Inside the houses, we found sleeping families choking. They were having seizures. Their noses were full of foam, and their eyes were half-closed. People were suffocating in front of our eyes. Well, closed eyes and foam mouth was not found right. on the ship. So I would say no on that. But right. I heard Tabin. Have you heard of Tabin? I have not. I've heard a theory that it was Tabin. How do you spell that? T-A-B-I-N? T-A-B-U-N. Well, let's look it up, shall we? Yeah, we shall. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. It's extremely toxic chemical substance. It's a clear, colorless, and tasteless liquid with a faint fruity odor. Oh, you know what? I do remember that was part of the message that I didn't write down was uh, towards the end of it. Right after he said, I die, as the the audio was sort of getting quieter and quieter, they heard this voice, seemed like it was off in the distance, go, somebody have Fruit Loops? And then they didn't hear anything else. <laughs> Uh, it's classified as a nerve agent because it fatally interferes with normal functioning of the mammalian nervous system. Its production is strictly controlled and stockpiled, outlawed by the Chemical Weapons Convention in 1993. Okay. While I'm searching through these facts about it, do you have anything about Tabin you wanted to say? Um, just that the death of, like, if you were to die from Taven, it would be excruciating pain, so that it yeah. would explain the contorted faces of everybody uh-huh. and the dog. And then, you know, their bodies were decomposing quite rapidly. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is what it was. Here's the effects of overexposure to Taven. The symptoms of exposure include nervousness, restlessness, meiosis, contraction of the pupils, rhinohuria, runny nose, excessive salivation, dyspnea, 
difficulty in breathing due to bronchoconstruction secretions, uh, sweating, bradycardia, slow heartbeat, loss of consciousness, convulsions, flaccid paralysis, loss of bladder and bowel control, apnea, and lung blisters. The exact you symptoms. Had me, you had me until flaccid. Yeah. They were like quite erect, I thought. Oh, were they? <laughs> well, you saw the picture of the dummy or whatever. His, his <laughs> arms were straight up. Well, then it was a key party gone wrong. That's what happened. Um, let's see. The exact symptoms of overexposure are similar to those created by all nerve agents. Tabin is toxic even in minute doses. The number and severity of symptoms which appear vary according to the amount of the agent absorbed and the rate of entry of it into the body. Very small skin dosages sometimes cause local sweating and tremors accompanied with characteristically constricted pupils with few other effects. Tabin is about half as toxic as sarin by inhalation. But in very low concentration, it is more irritating to the eyes than sarin. Also, Tabin breaks down slowly, which after repeated exposure can lead to a buildup in the body. Yeah, I got to tell you, it doesn't sound like it would be Tabin either. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Treatment for suspected Tabin poisoning is often three injections of a nerve agent antidote. Yeah, because it so quickly happens. Yeah. There wouldn't be time for an antidote. Well, let's see. Um... Here are some other theories. Uh, about the ship, uh, the Ring Medan may have been involved in smuggling operations of chemical substances, such as a combination of potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin, or even wartime stocks of nerve agents. According to these theories, seawater would have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the cargo to release toxic gases, which then caused the crew to succumb to asphyxia and or poisoning. Later, the seawater would have reacted with the nitroglycerin, Causing the reported fire and explosion. So seawater just mixing with nitroglycerin can make it explode? Yep. That's terrifying. Another theory is that the ship was transporting nerve gas, which the Japanese military... Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, Carbon monoxide poisoning is another... No, that's a a painless death, so... Is it? Yeah, that's the one I researched. Well, let's see. Um, before the theory that undetected smoldering fire or malfunction in the ship's boiler system might have been responsible for the shipwreck. Escaping carbon monoxide would have caused the deaths of all on board, with the fire slowly getting out of control, leading to the vessel's ultimate destruction. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. No, that doesn't sound right. Their eyes would not be open. They're, right. Yeah, their body's not contorted in pain. They would have just passed out. Right. That's really interesting. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Well, and obviously, this is where we're getting to into the section where we talk about the validity of the ship even have existed. And there is there are skeptics. Uh, several authors note their inability to find any mention of the case in Lloyd Shipping Register. Furthermore, no registration records. records well, we already talked about that. Yeah, it's weird. It It's one of these things, and I've said this before, and it's it's so true that – the fascination of unsolved mysteries is, yeah, it's obvious to say that in the fact that they're unsolved. But it, it, the fascination, I think, has to do with the fact that every time you think you're on the right path, it forks in like three or four different directions. Mm-hmm. So you really can't figure out with any sort of certainty. And the fact that no one has has tried to bring the ship back to the surface – because there's got it, I don't think it, it didn't split apart. It didn't do a Titanic. It just sunk after the fire started. Mm-hmm. So it should be down there somewhere. And obviously the bodies wouldn't be there anymore. But there could be some physical evidence of something. If we were able to extrapolate, 
well, that was eyewitness accounts too, how the Titanic sunk, then we should be able to figure this out. But it's, it's a fascinating and also terrifying situation where I wonder how many other distress calls came before yeah. the Silver Star picked up that one. It just happened well, to be the creepiest one. If it wasn't a government, I think, you know, my theory is that it was a, like a government cover-up right. for transporting nerve gas. I, I think it would have been investigated by our government if not, um, you know, someone that's invested and has had missed or like a dead relative or something. But yeah, I think no, I, it was a cover-up that that's why it hasn't been. Why I mean, that the only thing that I'll say about that is what I said before, basically, is that with any military cover-up, not that there aren't fuck-ups all the time in the military, because that's, you know, when you look at all the conspiracy theories about, say, 9-11 and things like that, is that this this government is supposed to be this all-powerful thing that never messes up and is, you know, if you talk about this, you'll get fucking killed or anything, or everyone that's left Area 51 or all the people that are going a little, have gone a little nuts since working there and claim to be the only people that are willing to talk about aliens. If the government was this uber intelligent, uber powerful thing that didn't want any of this information out there, I, I feel like it would be reasonably easy for them to go, well, let's just not leave anything behind. The whole ship can disappear. Is it possible that maybe what you're thinking is, say, the Silver Star got to it first and then the military is like, well, we fucked up, but we got to do something about it. So now erase all the records mm -hmm. and the ship sinking was just a happy coincidence for them. You know what I mean? I love stories like this because it's so like sets the imagination on fire. You just don't know how something like this could have happened. Either that or it was just made up. That's the other thing. It would be a really effective, you know, scary story to tell someone. But also like I was always fascinated by the Philadelphia experiment. And that supposedly is documented. No one is still willing to admit what exactly happened. But, you know, it is it, it is something that I think ships especially, there's something very romantic about them because they are sailing into the unknown. If you really think about how big the ocean is, ships can be really creepy. You know, have you ever seen... Uh, any of those there's a there's an island i can't remember where it is but it's one of the most famous shipwrecks because the ship just happened to wreck in reasonably shallow water so you can actually swim around this wreckage and see it and it's the ship is very well kept together and there's just something so ominous about seeing a sunken ship you know oh yeah and the fact that you know people especially you know, uh, sailors and, and anyone in the Navy, I think they, they've all started coming up with these stories. And I think that's a psychological way to deal with, you know, fucking the only reason we believe in mermaids is because they saw some seals or manatees or something. And their delusion just made them into something else. So there is something, too, about this romanticized, you know, the albatross or, or all these other things that a lot of sailors create. I don't know if it's to make their trips more interesting, to have some stories when they get back. I don't know. But it is entirely possible to me that this has simply just become legend because a couple of people started telling this story and it just got out of hand because yeah. we don't have anything physical to corroborate it. Yeah, it Especially that fake-looking mannequin picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks like a total hoax. I mean, 
doesn't even look human. Well, you know what? Let's do some research. This is the only reason I could do a podcast like this now is Google's available. <laughs> and you can cut and edit. Oh. Uh, absolutely. Are you saying <laughs> that the listening public doesn't want to hear this? <laughs> oh, they do it on some of my <laughs> No, they don't care. Okay, let's see. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of images. I don't know how many of them are accurate, but this, I mean, there is one of literally George Lucas frozen in carbonite. I'm thinking that's not real. <laughs> but there are, I mean, that one body keeps popping up. There are others. I don't know if they're actually from the Oorang, but they keep popping up. It looks like a mannequin. No, it really does. But you also know that, like, if you, I'm sure you've been to funerals and things like that before, where bodies look especially once they've been through the embalming process, they just don't look human anymore. And if some sort of chemical was in the air that maybe r ripped apart this person's insides, I could see them looking a little statuesque, let's just say. You know, one of the episodes from this yeah. season was the Black Dahlia, and when she was found, they thought she was a mannequin because of how much blood she'd lost. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she was a beautiful woman, though, so... True. And it doesn't look like this guy was handsome at all. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just, that, would, that would be the ultimate, though, wouldn't it? To be like, not only did you die from in this awful way, you're just not a looker. I don't think he's bad. Like, I mean, he's a mannequin. Mannequins are supposed to be good looking. I, he looks like... I, <laughs> I love the fact that you're just, like, basing all your opinions now on the fact that this guy was a mannequin. <laughs> He looks just like a mannequin. Oh, my God. Look at his face. Zoom in. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I didn't catch this before. This is from Mysterious Universe. Um, about the initial communication, all officers, including Captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. This communication was followed by a burst of indecipherable Morse code and a final grim message, I die. Okay. Yep. The indecipherable Morse code to me is very interesting. Well, I think his, he was clearly dying of some kind of thing, so yes. his brain wasn't functioning properly, so that's why he was probably trying to say these things, and he's like, well, I can at least do I die at the end, because yeah. I'm not making sense. At least his last words make a lot of sense. You know, okay. it wasn't something dumb. I die. That's exactly what's happening. He's just narrating his own death scene. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, it's not even proper English, but I think that's how Morse code works, right? Like, you say I instead of, like, I I'm am. no expert, but, yeah, you would think if you want to have a communication system like that, you would be as, as straightforward as possible. Not a lot of uh, – no time for fancy shit. No time for flowery shit, you know? Apostrophes. Just, yeah, yeah. No apostrophes. Just – straightforward information monosyllabic just got to get your point across yeah i think we've covered just about everything that we can with this um it is they did find that guy that sent the message and his hand was resting on the telegraph which is interesting so he really did you know whatever was going on it really did he used the last bit of his energy to send that message mm -hmm. That's so creepy. Well, the fact that it was just 12 people makes me think and that they all died like kind of similarly. Yeah. And he and he, and the guy that was sending the Morse code, he said specifically only two areas. He said the bridge and the boiler room. That's true. And, and the bridge is where they found the captain and the boiler room is where I think they found the rest of them. So yeah. I think like they were all there. 
the captain probably struggled to get to the bridge, and this guy must have struggled to get to the Morse code station or whatever. And then I don't even know how. I don't know if if nobody well, else made it out of the boiler room. How did he make it all the way there? Unless he was stationed there, and then did they have like some kind of alert? Well, and something there? interesting he said too made me feel like he wasn't a hundred percent sure the rest of the crew was dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't say. He's like maybe the whole crew. Right. He didn't know, so he could have been one of the last people to be infected, which would make sense mm-hmm. if he's if the gas comes up from the bottom of the ship, whatever it is. Let's just say. It's going to get there last. Like, he and the captain would probably be the least. Yeah. I don't know about. I I would imagine it would go through the boiler room area first if it came from the cargo bay of the ship. And then it wouldn't get to them until towards the end. But that's still the mystery to me is if they were, let's just say, because, you know, the captain's almost always on the bridge. Yeah, and that's up high, right? Right. In most ships, it is. It's the top. It's the topmost part other than, say, a crow's nest or something like that. Not that I'm an expert, but of all the ships I've seen, the captain has to be able to see what's going on. <laughs> so whatever this chemical or whatever it was, was was powerful enough to get through the whole ship and get into the bridge of the ship and get to this guy, or at least kill this guy last. And I also think just now I was able to figure out what uh, what the indecipherable Morse code section was. I think um. at one point he said, Oorang. Yeah, I'm going to leave that pause in there. I'm having a hard time hearing you right now. Oh, sorry. Well, and it was a joke I already made on one of the recordings we weren't successful with about how it sounds like Lurch from the Adams Family, so you didn't really miss anything. We're pretty much at the point where we can end the episode anyway. Okay. Um, if people, Lindsay, hey, thank you for coming on. You did a great job. You shouldn't have been nervous. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You did a lot of the the hard work on your own. So. I think we both did about the same amount of work on this one. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. You know what? The thing I love about this podcast is we, I look at it like we are laymen trying to teach other laymen something. So we give the basics and anyone hearing this that's never heard of this case before can take it and run with it and uh, find out their own information about it because it really is fascinating. It's it's one of those things that I think has its own mystique because of all the mysteries we've talked about. It is probably the least verified, the least vetted Definitely the the one where – because even Jack the Ripper, there was physical evidence left over. Yeah. This is like it never happened. And that's what I think is so interesting about it. Is It's not even – we know Jack the Ripper was real. We just don't know who he was. This is – there's a chance it could have never happened. Yeah. And that's very enticing. So I'm glad we got to do this. Um, If people wanted to get in touch with you, Lindsay, how would they do that? Oh. Uh. <laughs> if you wanted them to get in touch with you. If you don't want them to get in touch with you, you don't have to tell me shit. <laughs> oh, you can Google it. I, I do have a children's book out there. You can Google oh, my really? name. Well, what's the name of the book? It's called Snail's Trail. You know, if you need a narrator to bring it <laughs> to the audio world, I'm your guy. Well, are you a writer? Or are you working on anything else? Uh, I am writing something right now. It's about the mystery of why humans have the experience of life that they do but it's it's so far i mean i'm guessing it will take me at least 10 years to write this book (laughs) well what's what's the basic concept that's interesting um the meaning of life okay 
Yeah, you know, you should be able to knock that one out in a couple of days. <laughs> I think about it literally every day. So it's been 36 years in my thought process. So, And just so people sort of know where you're coming from with this book, are you doing it from a religious angle? Are you a religious no. person? I don't think you are. No, I'm not. I'm more scientific. Yeah, so just empirical um, yeah. evidence. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's really interesting. I'm researching Belie- a lot about Einstein um, and his theories. And, oh, that's um, awesome. How did I not know that about you? Michio Kaku, I think his name is. Michio Kaku, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, also proves that you don't listen to the podcast because we mentioned him a lot last season. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did listen to it. I'm kidding. I listened to it. I'm a, I'm a big Emily fan. Oh, um, Emily's great. I love her. And, I also love but, the fact that it was only me and her on the podcast and you had to, well, I listened. I'm a big Emily fan. <laughs> Sorry, Evan. I'm a big Evan fan. <laughs> <laughs> you better be at this point. Well, this was a lot of fun. And yeah, if Thank if I'm you. still podcasting, when you publish that book, we will definitely give you a shout out or have you back on or something along those lines. Um, I haven't decided yet what next season's going to be, but I have been saying in the past couple of episodes, uh, I'm going to put this out to you, the listener. I'm debating between two different things, either continuing with Unsolved Mysteries because there's still so much out there that's so fascinating, or I'm a big fan of history, but I don't know nearly as much as I want to. So a good excuse to learn something would be something historical. I'm leaning towards, you know, great historical battles, which I think would be really interesting. I want to give a shout out to, uh, I think it's called This Is History or something along those lines. It's a YouTube channel that uh, sort of puts movies up to the to the fire and sees how accurate they were about history. Um, the thing that got my motor really going is they had a great episode on Waterloo. And there's a movie about Waterloo that they say is incredibly accurate. And it's fascinating to watch the the military tactics used in that era. So I think that would be really interesting. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, email us, lucky10,000 at Gmail, and uh, let us know which of those subjects you'd prefer. Lindsay, do you have a vote? Um, I say just follow your heart. Go with your intuition. <laughs> you're good. You're such a good hippie. <laughs> well, anyway... Thank you so, so much for doing this. I think you did a great job. I think it's a very interesting episode, and I think people will really be uh, entranced by it just as much as I was. So I think that's everything. Lindsay, it's been a pleasure. As of right now, this is, since I'm recording everything out of sequence, you're not going to be the season finale, but you are technically the last episode of the season I have to record. So the season's now done. Congratulations, Woo-hoo. Evan. I can't wait, Good man. Job. First episode, first new episode goes up next week. Uh, of course, I shouldn't say that on this podcast because it will already have been out by a couple of weeks by the time you hear this. <laughs> but um, if you leave us a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes, we'll read it on the air. Also, what you can do for us is word of mouth. If you like this show, if you know other people that might like the show, tell them about us. Nothing helps a podcast like word of mouth. I think that's everything. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, all the guests, for making this my favorite season so far, Lindsay included. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your host, Evan. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.